All right, guys, welcome back here on the Southeastern 14 YouTube channel once again with Brian Edwards as we are going to talk about week one, uh, a full slate uh, for SEC games, some better than others, as we've talked about before. And uh, if you guys are watching this, listening to this, we did talk about the Florida-Utah game uh, in a separate video. So if you're watching this after the fact, you don't care. If you're watching this before, um, then there are some quick tips uh, for betting that Florida-Utah game there as well. Uh, Brian, quickly, I know we, we've talked about South Carolina versus North Carolina and LSU versus Florida State uh, in our previous uh, episodes we've done. But just to kind of give people an idea of where you're at here as we are, you know, a couple days away uh, from the start of these games, uh, just your overall thoughts on kind of where the line is, what you bet uh, and whatever else stands out with these two. Yeah, so we really haven't seen a whole whole lot of movement. Um, I, I feel like it's been two and a half pretty much all of this week. Uh, most books have the total at 64 and a half. You can get anywhere from like plus 115 to at the most generous plus 125 on the money line uh, for South Carolina. So I, I like the Gamecocks. I think they're going to win a, a really close game uh, outright. Um, you know, the, the news on Juice Wells has been good this week. Um, sounds like he is all good to go where, you know, whereas he had missed some practices, uh, coming into this week for a good, at least about 10 days, maybe even two weeks. Um, and then, um, uh, Devontae Walker, uh, for North Carolina, who I incorrectly, uh, called Watkins a few weeks back. <laughs> My apologies to uh, no one. No one would ever spot a mistake. Come on. Right, please. right, right, right. Uh, I spot, spotted another one last week. I was talking about a key number being 56 and I go, I go nine times seven is 56 rather than eight times seven. That was, <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> I was surprised I didn't get that in the comments anywhere. But uh, anywho, um, I know Mac Brown is still seems optimistic on an appeal and they're, you know, Walker is going to travel with the team just in case the ruling comes in. But I mean, I would, I, I it seems doubtful that he's going to play and it's a big deal. I mean, I think it's worth probably at least a point to the spread. Cause I mean, he will be there. WR one. Uh, they also have Nate McCollum, the George who was Georgia tech's best wide receiver um, last year. But you know, the, the main thing with my handicap here is I just think, well, a North Carolina, um, I just, uh, you know, their defense, they gave up 30.8 points per game last year before that, you know, the year before that 32, uh, point one. I mean, they've struggled defensively for three years, which I, I think coincides when Chiswick initially left. Now, you know, he's back now. Uh, but anyhow, um, uh, you know, just major doubts about North Carolina's um, defense and uh, just kind of that SEC ACC premise of if it's tight line, just go with the SEC. And I mean, look, they they beat the mess out of them. Granted, it was two years ago uh, in the Mayo Bowl, but at this same venue, and they were 11-point underdogs in that game, and they just jumped all over them early and often to carry on. Joyner was the MVP of that game. I think he's going to be getting a lot more touches uh, this season, and I just love how Rattler was playing uh, late last year, although obviously I love Drake May uh, as well. But um, I think South Carolina's – uh, assuming Walker doesn't play, I think South Carolina's receivers are, are a little bit better. Uh, and I think their defense should be 
uh, a little bit better. And their secondary, uh, South Carolina secondary, I think is really uh, good. They had two uh, true freshmen playing really well uh, for them last year that are now uh, seasoned veterans as true sophomores. So, yeah, I'm going Gamecocks there. Yeah, I think, uh, again, seems like a lot of momentum for a lot of people, maybe towards the Gamecocks here, and uh, we'll see what happens. A lot of uh, stuff we've talked about on the channel, so if you're a South Carolina fan, check out all the videos we have uh, with Brian. We've done some other stuff as well to get you ready for that game. Uh, any additional thoughts, Brian, on LSU, Florida State? We did talk about that one in, in depth in another video, but uh, maybe just some some closing thoughts on that one. Yeah, so, you know, we definitely know Mason um, Smith is out. But I, even when we talked about it two or three weeks ago, I, you know, I wasn't positive he was going to be ready from a health standpoint um, anyway. And, and he does have uh, that one game uh, suspension. You know, LSU's got a few personnel issues uh, at running back. Uh, I know John Emery's out, and, and I believe Goodwin uh, was doubtful at last look. But they've still got Josh Williams. Uh, they've still got Noah Kane. Uh, and they've got Logan Diggs. Now, I, I did see the, uh, something about him being questionable, but that was earlier in the week. I don't feel like I've seen much more uh, about it. Um, but look, I mean, if they've only got Williams and Kane um, healthy, as long as one of them doesn't get hurt, they'll be good. And they do have two incoming true freshmen, just in terms of other scholarship uh, running backs. But hopefully Diggs will be able to go. Uh, as well. So I'm not really concerned with some of those uh, injuries. Uh, the only personnel issue that I've seen uh, with the Knowles is that a uh, projected starting receiver, Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, is out uh, with an injury. I don't know that that's that big a deal, but, you know, I just, I like LSU's roster uh, better. Uh, you know, and FSU went 0-3 against the ranked teams they played last year. LSU was not ranked, at least preseason, when they beat them. And, um, yeah, and I just thought FSU was kind of, you know, beating up on some bad teams. Like, I mean, some name brands in Florida and Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, Florida had five wide receivers out that game and scored 38 points on that defense a week after barely uh, getting on the board until, like, late fourth quarter at Vandy and then Oklahoma more than 500 yards of offense um, and 32 points in Orlando where this game is going to be played. And uh, Oklahoma had uh, uh, guys hitting the portal before the bowl game. They had multiple opt outs, including um, two of their uh, stud offensive linemen and Eric Gray, the former Tennessee running back. So um, anyhow, I like, the LSU Tigers, I don't think they're going to muff two punts like they did in last year's game. And I think they, uh, I think at minus three or fewer, will be good to go. Hopefully, uh, you can get a minus two. All right, Brian, we're going to go through some more of these games. And again, if you're looking at the SEC week one slate, it's not the best from top to bottom. There are some of these, again, sort of heavyweight matchups that we've talked about uh, in depth in other episodes and ones we just discussed. But we're going to look at uh, four games here. Um, that maybe are of interest if you're out there looking to uh, bet, you're looking at different numbers, trends, those kind of things. Uh, we'll go just kind of in order of kickoff here, Brian, with some of these. Uh, Tennessee, Virginia, that one's going to be played, of course, in Nashville. That's a 12 p.m. Eastern kickoff on Saturday on ABC. Um, the Vols, heavy favorites, as you would expect in this one. I think, you know, when we kind of did our preview of the game, I think what stands out with Virginia a much better defensive team than offensive team in terms of just their expectations coming into the season. And then of course for Tennessee, as you and I have discussed over the past couple of weeks, Joe Milton 
stepping in as quarterback for the Vols. Um, you know, Vols seem to be in a pretty good spot here. I think uh, what at least a four touchdown favorite, it seems like in most places um, over under looks like it's around 58, something like that. Uh, what are you seeing with the Vols and Cavs in this one? Yeah. So um, the Vols, we got a, we found some first quarter lines right before we came on the air at DraftKings. Uh, I'm not, my odds feed is not showing any first quarter uh, spreads yet. So I, I, I don't know if DraftKings is the only one, uh, only book that has them out right now. But, um, you know, maybe shop around. So I was hoping the Vols would be minus seven in the first quarter. I, I had my doubts. Um, but perhaps an encouraging sign that there's seven and a half at DraftKings, but with a plus 110 uh, return. So I, I can't play it at seven and a half. I mean, look, they could, you know, get a three and out, have a time-consuming touchdown drive. Maybe Virginia gets a first down or two punts. And Tennessee could be driving in the red zone and just the first quarter runs out. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, to, to ask, I mean, you know, you're probably, uh, if you don't receive, you're probably getting a maximum of two possessions. So um, it's just tough for me to lay a seven and a half in the first quarter. But because it's seven and a half and plus money, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if, if other books have a minus seven. Now it'll probably be juiced. To bet Tennessee, probably as much as minus 140 or minus 150. But I, I would not be against that play. I think a push would be your worst case scenario. Uh, but here's a couple of other, um, you know, the team total on the Vols is 41 and a half. Um, now, I will say Virginia has eight starters back on defense. And they were a bad, bad football team last year. But the defense was pretty good. Now, Perhaps some of that was teams, you know, uh, maybe hitting the brakes on their offense, just running out the clock because they were ahead by a lot, which very much could have been, uh, you know, the case on some of these games. But, um, you know, they only gave up 24 points per game, and that was with, you know, Brennan Armstrong having a lot of turnovers, and they only averaged 17 points per game. So when an offense only averages 17 if the defense gives up 24, I really think of that as like giving up more, like, like shave like three or four points <clears> off yeah. that because the defense is doing its job. Um, so, you know, I don't know that I would go over 41 and a half, but if I had to pick it, I'd go over 41 and a half before I'd go under because I think Tennessee is going to deal one out. Am I laying the 28? No. Uh, but the, the team total is 41 and a half. Um, the number of touchdowns, that uh, Tennessee scores the over/under is five and a half, um, but a minus one hundred five price if if you Vol fans like the over because the under is minus one thirty five, and you know if you think you're going to shut down Virginia's offense, which very well uh, could be the case. I don't really believe in a whole lot Tony Elliott is doing offensively. Uh, Virginia's team total is thirteen and a half, and their their total on touchdowns is one and a half. If any Vol fans maybe wanted to invest in their defense, thinking they would uh, hold the Wahoos to 13 or fewer or keep them uh, from getting in the end zone a second time because uh, it's one and a half. Yeah, I was going to say Virginia's offensive numbers last year, as you said, um, last in the ACC in scoring, last in time of possession, second to last in turnover margin. Um, and so, yeah, they obviously have to be significantly better there. And the thing is, if you're going to, 
you're going to hang with Tennessee, and if you're going to even try to, you know, pull off a, a miraculous upset, you have to score points <laughs> to beat Tennessee. And um, we'll, we'll see if Virginia can do that, like you said. So we'll see what happens. All right, another game that kicks off at uh, noon Eastern. That's going to be on the SEC Network. Uh, the Devin Leary era officially begins for Kentucky as they're going to host Ball State. And another game that I think a lot of people will have eyes on. We've talked about Tennessee. People want to see what Joe Melton looks like. People want to see what Devin Leary looks like for this Kentucky team. Uh, looking around on this one, 26 and a half. Kentucky, the favorite here uh, in this one. And, you know, I guess, Brian, what are you seeing with this matchup? Because I think they're, there's a lot of, and we said it like there is a lot of hype around this Kentucky team. And I think a lot of it is, is warranted in terms of um, just looking at the roster and seeing all the weapons they have on offense. The defense should be very good. A lot to like about the Cats heading into a game with a Ball State team that could put up some points here, even against a good, uh, I think, Kentucky defense, just given the fact that they've added Lane Hatcher to the mix, uh, a very experienced quarterback, 10,000 passing yards in his career. Plus, they've added uh, a really solid running back to replace Carson Steele, who's now at UCLA, uh, and Marquez Cooper, who comes over from Kent State, uh, ran for at least 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns the past two seasons. Yeah, so um, yeah, Cooper is really good. A little, little small guy, but plenty yeah. of speed. Five foot seven, uh, 184, first team uh, all Mac last year. You know, Lane Hatcher has been around uh, Arkansas State uh, last year at Texas State, uh, 12 starts, 2,653 passing yards with a 19 to 10 TDI and T ratio completed. Uh, 62% uh, percent of his passes. So that that's an upgrade uh, for Ball State uh, at the quarterback position. I will mention, uh, you know, when, it, when I look at MAC teams, you know, Phil Steele's national unit rankings, he goes up to about, about anywhere from 58 to 65 uh, on most position groups. And not many uh, – Toledo normally uh, gets ranked in like maybe four position groups and – you know, maybe some other teams on special teams, but um, Ball State actually has two units that are ranked nationally, not high, but I will just note it. Um, they're ranked 60th at running back, which, you know, has to do with Cooper and their O-line is ranked uh, 58th. Um, their win total is only four and a half. Um, so that shows you the expectations are not that high. Last year, they were five and seven straight up six and six. Against the spread, they returned seven starters on both offense and defense, so 14 uh, overall. Uh, they do play at Georgia next week, so this stat, uh, yeah, not, nice start of the season. Um, since 98, uh, they've faced 11 SEC teams. They're winless, and they're four and seven uh, against the spread. But uh, now, granted, it was 22 years ago in 2001, uh, but they did cover at Kentucky on a 28-20 loss as an 11 uh, point underdog. They played Tennessee last year, did not cover as a 35 and a half point dog, lost 59 uh, to 10. And looks like that's the only uh, FBS team uh, that they played. They added 10 transfers, uh, four uh, that are power five. All right. So for Kentucky fans uh, looking for some you maybe off the beaten path uh, bets rather than, you know, laying the big number. Kentucky is only minus seven in the first quarter. Um, I'm not really against that play. Um, I haven't played it. My first quarter uh, lines are not up yet, but um, 
you know, if it's getting close to kickoff and I think I'm going to have that game in my vision, I, I might would put a little on that. Um, and the team total for Kentucky is 37 and a half. Um, which is uh, odds of minus 115, whether you go over or under. And the total touchdowns, and these are DraftKings, by the way, uh, for Kentucky is four and a half. Uh, if you like the over, it's minus 125 price. You like the under, it is minus uh, 115. But yeah, I think Devin Leary is going to have a uh, really, really good season. And um, I think Kentucky will get off to a good start again. I'm not laying the big number. I, I might take minus seven in the first quarter. All right. Here's an interesting one. And not because I think the underdog's going to win, but I, I have said many times that I think Auburn's the team that I am maybe most intrigued about just to see what they look like in game one because it's a new era under Hugh Freeze, as we know. Uh, and they're playing a team that finds itself in a pretty interesting spot in UMass this game 3 30 p.m eastern on Saturday it's on ESPN UMass as uh we talked about I was I was on board with Brian last week I made the bet um I looked at that New Mexico State game I said all right New Mexico State but boy UMass goes in snaps say what was a 24 game road losing streak and they win uh at New Mexico State 41 to 30 that was a bit of a wild game uh there in that one but now UMass comes in uh, here to play Auburn like we said, kicking off a new era. I think there are a lot of questions for Auburn. What are they going to look like early on? Um, how does this team sort of evolve throughout the season? But even with UMass's win, Auburn is a 35-point favorite in a lot of spots here in this game. So what stands out to you, Brian, about this one? Because I don't know why. I just <laughs> This is very fascinating to me with UMass snapping. It's, I don't think they're going to go in and, and win this game by any means, but um, at least there's a little more interest in an FBS versus FBS game here, which there's not a lot of those on the SEC schedule this week. Yeah, so um, the opening line for this game was 39 and a half. I, I haven't looked at the uh, – oh, actually, I can just click right here to look at the odds history. Uh, let's see what was it going into last Saturday. So last Saturday was the 26th, correct? Okay, looks like uh, it had mo moved all the way up to 41 – uh, but then drop back down to 39. So, you know, with UMass's performance, they dropped it four points, you know, because UMass looks like they got a quarterback. Uh, Fumachon? <laughs> I, I, I probably butchered that uh, pronunciation. But anyway, used to play at Georgia Tech. Had a big game uh, last week, uh, and UMass took my money. Darn it. But um, – <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, the odds makers gave them a four-point uh, upgrade, and um, like Blake said, uh, the, uh, most books at 35. Uh, total anywhere, I see a few 51s, a few 51.5s, and a few 52s, and uh, DraftKings is offering Auburn in the first quarter at minus 9.5 and, and has Auburn's team total at 43 and a half minus 120 if you want the over minus 110 to the under and arms total touchdowns five and a half but if you like the over you gotta lay a minus 135 price and um umass's team total is only seven and a half wow. um that seems a little low after they scored 41 last week but we'll see so yeah i um i got nothing here I, I can't even give you I, – I might play it in the first quarter. I, I could never <laughs> lay more than seven in the in a first quarter. So um, I got nothing on this one, uh, but uh, we'll see how Hugh Freeze's uh, 
team gets going, uh, I, I think they're going to be better later in the year. And I, I think that um, the Iron Bowl could be very, very interesting as it almost always is when it's on the plates. Yeah, UMass lost, I guess, the most recent SEC game. They lost that game towards the end of last year in what was just a brutal game uh, to watch against Texas A&M. 20-3 to was the oh. final in that one. Uh, towards, you know, it was that November, yeah, late November last year. So uh, we'll see what happens this year. Again, snapping a 24-game road losing streak. Maybe things kind of come back uh, in the other direction here for an Auburn team that I think will be looking uh, to have something to prove here in week one. Uh, for Hugh Freeze's uh, start. So, all right, let's talk about, you mentioned the Iron Bowl. Let's go to Alabama um, because they are going to host MTSU, Middle Tennessee, 7.30 p.m. Eastern to kick off there on the SEC Network. Uh, the Crimson Tide come in, as we know, with uh, very little rat poison this season. Uh, not a lot to work with for Nick Saban there. But uh, I think we'll know the starting quarterback by the time the game is played. And so, Seems like a lot of people really, you know, believing Jalen Milrow is going to be the guy there, and uh, we'll see what the Alabama offense looks like if that is the case. But uh, what stands out for you on this one, Brian, heading into this matchup, Alabama and MTSU? We've seen Rick Stockstill have some success at MTSU over the years, um, but this is a pretty big line. I think it's, what, 39 and a half, 39 in a lot of places, so. Yeah, um, 39 uh, at most books. I said DraftKings is 39 and a half. Most books have the total uh, at 52. Alabama in the first quarter is minus nine and a half. Their team total is 45 and a half. If you like the over minus 105 price, uh, Alabama's uh, total touchdowns is five and a half. But if you like the over, you got to pay a minus uh, 160 uh, price. Uh, as for Middle Tennessee, uh, they made their big splash last year going to Miami as a 25.5-point underdog and won 45-31, to 31, and Stock still uh, played college ball at FSU. So he, he – uh, he, did you do you remember seeing his comments after that game? I, I mean, know I know you're talking about it. I don't remember the exact wording, but I know he – yeah. It was great. It was great. I mean, he was just a jerk nah. to the Miami fans in vintage FSU-Miami uh, rivalry form. Um, they actually uh, finished last year on a uh, four-game winning streak and won five of six. They uh, they beat San Diego uh, State as a six-and-a-half-point underdog uh, in their bowl game. Uh, they also uh, beat FAU as a six-point underdog, beat UTEP as a two-point uh, dog. So, oh, and they beat Colorado State as 11 and a half point dog. I'm not comparing any of these teams, not even the Miami Hurricanes to Alabama, but uh, interesting nonetheless that they won, let's see, two, three, four, five outright wins as an underdog. That's uh, that's pretty um, unusual. Don't see that very often. They finish eight and five uh, straight up. Uh, six and seven against the spread, so they weren't very good as favorites. Um, they got eight starters back on defense and uh, five on offense, uh, but they are uh, replacing their quarterback. Uh, Chase Cunningham was a, <clears throat> a pretty good player. They lost their top three uh, receivers. They brought in nine transfers, uh, three from Power Five programs. Um, their win total at Circa is six and a half, minus 120 to the over. And Phil Steele's national unit rankings have their defensive line number 48, their secondary number 42, and their special teams number 62. So that's just sharing some information. I have no play on this game. 
Yeah, NTSU, uh, one of the stats that I look at, you mentioned hey, DJ England Chisholm, really good, speedy wide receiver they have. We saw him break a big play last year against Miami, and that's that's how they beat Miami was the big plays. But I just look at, I was looking at their stats to preview, you know, that game with, with Alabama and the minus 61, 66 rushing yards they had against San Diego State in the Hawaii Bowl game, and they still won the game. Not many times wow. I've seen that before. Um, no. Of course, I think they gave up seven sacks, something like that. But, yeah, to have that many <laughs> negative 61 or 66 rushing yards, you don't see that very often in a no. win, uh, period, uh, in any game. But, all right, Brian, again, that's kind of the SEC slate because some of the other games we said, uh, some of these are not against FBS competition. The other game I guess we didn't really touch on, I don't really have a lot unless you want to add anything on Texas a and New Mexico. I think the Aggies. Um, you know, our team that should take care of business there in that one. But otherwise, I think, again, everyone else, uh, this is where we're recording this early early Thursday afternoon. Um, and so I don't think we have all the lines just yet on uh, the non-FBS games uh, involving SES, SEC teams. But, um, yeah, there's not, not a whole lot else on the schedule this week uh, in terms of uh, anything you're really salivating over from a, a betting standpoint. Yeah, no, um, there's really not. Uh, I'll just uh, let A&M fans know New Mexico went two and ten straight up last year, three, eight and one uh, ATS. They only bring back two starters on defense, uh, eight on offense. Their uh, their win total at DraftKings is three and a half uh, shaded to the over. Uh, minus uh, 120. Uh, A&M is 5-0 and all-time uh, against uh, the Lobos. Um, and they actually played in College Station in uh, 2021 and uh, lost 34 uh, to Zip. And let's see, as a road underdog under Danny Gonzalez, uh, they are three and nine against the spread in the first three uh, years of his uh, tenure. Um, now, we're going to talk my other picks. Or are we going to? Yeah, I was going to. I was going to kind of lead into. It. We mentioned Texas A and M. If you're a Texas A and M fan, and you want to know what uh, Brian's got, a couple other picks outside the SEC, which we do this every week. Um, some picks that that he finds out there that if you're betting, not just on SEC games, you may find interesting. Miami happens to be uh, one of those picks uh, involved here, which we know the Aggies will see a week from now uh, in week two as uh, A&M will head to Miami for that showdown um, there next Saturday. Yeah. um, So Miami of Ohio, either a 16 and a half or 17 point underdog at Miami. This one uh, Friday night. And uh, I'm going to go with Miami of Ohio plus 17. And if you're number 16 and a half, I would buy the half point to the key number of 17. So uh, Miami of Ohio, their their star quarterback, Brett Gabbert, uh, he went down with a season-ending injury in week four uh, last season. Uh, and he had uh, 29, he has 29 career starts um, and, and a 45 to 14 career touchdown to interception ratio. So, I mean, he's a really good quarterback. Obviously we've seen a lot of Mac quarterbacks, you know, make it in the NFL. Roethlisberger certainly, um, comes, uh, to mind. And I think Gabbert's older brother, uh, is still a backup, uh, in the league, but anyhow, he went down in season or week four and, 
Miami of Ohio still made a, a bowl game, and they did it because they had a good defense. Their offense, it wasn't the offense. Once Gabbert was out, the offense was garbage and actually ended up only averaging 20.2 points per game. But kind of like we were talking about a minute ago, when your offense is so bad, um, I, I think you can, you know, subtract some stats from your, you know, defense's scoring average. And But they only gave up 22.6 um last year and they got nine starters back uh on that side of the ball they've got their star quarterback uh back as well uh and you know they went five or six and seven last uh year but uh four of the losses uh were by six points or, or, or fewer um and, and they're look they played at kentucky last year they played cincinnati uh as well so it's not like they aren't accustomed to going you know, up against big teams, but it's not like the Canes are going to have some huge crowd uh, tomorrow night. Uh, they only get big crowds for like ranked teams or FSU. Uh, one little stat as well: Red Hawks seven and four against the spread with four uh, outright wins. Their last eleven games uh, as underdogs. Now, Cristobal has said Tyler Van Dyke uh, is good to go, but he did injure his thumb, uh, hit it on a helmet two Tuesdays ago. So what, nine days ago, I guess, and missed a lot of practice the rest of last week. Uh, you know, whether Cristobal is playing coy or not, he says he's good to go. Uh, we'll see, but you know, regardless, uh, Miami was not very good last year, five and seven straight up an abysmal two and 10 against the spread. And, and, you know, they were favorites at home in games. They got blown out. 25 and a half point favorite to Middle Tennessee, lost 45 31. Um, nine point favorite to Duke, lost 45 to 21. Uh, six and a half point favorite to Pitt. When Pitt had a lot of injuries there late in the year, and Pitt, uh, and I, I might have even been on a third string quarterback in that game. Uh, I, know, I know, uh, Slovis was definitely out. Uh, but anyway, Pitt won 42 to 16. And uh, and they lost to North Carolina at home. So they, there's five games they lost at home outright last year. Um, so uh, until Miami shows me a little something, um, I'll take a team that I think has a, a even though it's a G5 team, I think they've got a quality quarterback and I think they've got a solid defense. And um, so I'll go Miami of Ohio plus the 17. And the other one you've got, Utah State uh, heads to Iowa for uh, an 11 a.m. Central kickoff on Saturday as well. I know that's one that that has your interest uh, also in that one. Yeah, more than anything, I'm going against the Hawkeyes uh, here. So, you know, uh, Ferentz said they feel pretty good about McNamara playing. Um, and he should be a very significant, you know, upgrade uh, from Spencer Spencer Petrus. But um, whether he plays or not, he, he hadn't been practicing for what? I want to say it's been like three weeks. I mean, what while, that? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that injury was early in August. So, you know, he has not been getting the practice time in. Uh, but, you know, the main reasons that I'm uh, playing this, for, first off, Okay, I was laying 24 points. Um, that's the most they've laid in a game since their 2016 season wow. op opener. Okay, in their last 22 games, they've won by 24 or more once. Okay, <laughs> and they played South Dakota State last year, and they played Nevada last year. 
Uh, actually, Nevada, actually, that is the game that they've won. They've won 27 nothing. That's the game that they've won by more than 24. So, um, yeah, not many uh, blowouts from uh, the Hawkeyes here lately. And they're 4-8 against the spread their last 12 uh, as a double-digit uh, favorite. And one of their better receivers, Nico Raggiani, 34 catches, 386 yards, one touchdown. Those are monster stats in Iowa's offense, by the way. Uh, he yeah. is questionable. Um, uh, their uh, stud uh, defensive tackle, uh, Noah Shannon, has been, and now he had uh, 44 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, three QB hurries uh, last year. He's been suspended for the entire season for sports gambling. Now, they are appealing that and think they're going to get it reduced, but I, I very seriously doubt uh, that they would get it um, you know, reduced for, for Saturday that it would get reduced from one, the whole season to, to nothing. So he's, he's out and, um, they're supposedly going to have four other players suspended for sports betting stuff. Uh, I think one of them is, uh, I believe his name is Jack Johnson and he, uh, didn't have any, um, significant stats last year. So the other guys might not be that, uh, significant. Um, look, Utah State, I'm not that high on them, but I do like their coach, Blake Anderson. Uh, two years ago, he won the Mountain West um, and went 11-3. and three. And um, last year, they, they didn't have, not have a great year, but they did get back to a bowl game. And under Anderson, they have gone on the road and, and won. Not that I'm expecting them to win outright, but they, they did win outright at Washington State as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog in the season opener two years ago. So I just don't think I was going to be very prolific offensively. Um, so give me the Utah State Aggies, plus 24. There you go. There are Brian's uh, picks for week one. Like we said, a lot of uh, interesting SEC matchups, some not so interesting, but – couple outside as well if you're looking to bet uh, on some games here in week one. But, Brian, anything else uh, we want to get to before we wrap up here? Should be a fun one finally here, week one. No, we only had week zero, but this is a, a lot more uh, exciting, I think, heading into this. Yeah, um, just no. Um, uh, enjoyed chatting with you, Blake. I, I guess the last thing I would actually throw out is that I, especially in games like this where I don't really like a, pre a pregame bet, um, you know, if a lot of these big favorites, you know, if any of them were to like fall behind, you know, like I, I remember South Alabama, didn't they jump all over UCLA in week one last year? Um, you know, and sometimes you'll get a heavy favorite and a live line will be like 15 points different. So if you want to yeah. follow me on Twitter at Vegas B Edwards, I usually tweet out whatever live bets I make. Um, and because I don't have many games, and really the LSU bet is the only one that I've got like aggressively bet. I got a pretty decent amount on South Carolina. Um, I'm probably going to be looking to do a lot of live bets if good opportunities present themselves. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, I might have some more opinions uh, there. And normally each week I'll have a lot more plays, just so many mismatches. And, yeah. and it, you know, if I don't, I'm not interested in the underdog, I'm not really laying more than 20 points or, or even more than 14 or 17 that often. So that's why I've got a small amount of plays this week. Yep. Check them all out. Like he said, uh, follow him on Twitter uh, at Vegas B Edwards. You can find the other uh, stuff, as we mentioned, uh, major wager uh, as well. So 
check all that out uh, for Brian's stuff. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, we do this every week, and uh, now that the games are here, we'll have a lot more uh, nuggets of information for you guys each and every week here as we talk to Brian on Southeastern 14. So hit that subscribe button, uh, and we appreciate you watching here on the channel. If you want to listen to this in its entirety, find our podcast, any podcast app you search for Southeastern 14. You can listen to it there. But again, appreciate you guys as always, and we'll talk to you again here soon at Southeastern 14.